0: Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer Susan Slesser, and today A's reliever JB Wendelkin joins us to talk about his breakout work last September, his fine start to this season, and his full breakdown of the characters in Oakland's bullpen. Then David Felbin and I chat about the tough start to the A's road trip and Jerks and Profar's struggles. All next on A's plus today on the A's plus podcast we're joined by A's reliever JB Wendelkin who's going into his first full season in the big leagues after uh coming up and really making a splash you were here a couple times throughout the season last year JB but I think what people most remember is uh your work in September particularly late September how would you describe uh what you did last fall for the A's and and, during the regular season and, and kind of what was the difference for you?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say, I mean, for me, it was going into it was just get outs early. And for, for going in thinking, having that mentality going in there and getting outs early helped me out a lot cuz I was being able to go multiple innings and having guys get out innings with only like eight pitches. And it was, it was really, really important for me to do that because I was helping the bullpen even last even longer and get even deeper into the game. So we would only have to use two guys versus three and it was it was important for the team.
0: What was your stuff like? What, what would you say was really working for you when you were at your best last year?
1: Oh, everything—fastball, uh, curveball, changeup—every one of them. It felt like last year I couldn't go wrong. Like if I threw it in one spot, it just it did exactly what I wanted every time. And I was like, I got to ride this high as long as I can because this ain't gonna happen again. And then I come in this year early, and it's still it's still there. And I'm like, I'm I'm just gonna keep going, walking that line, keep my nose to the ground, so.
0: That, that's pretty unusual for a pitcher to feel that good over that long a stretch yeah. what what is it like did you fix something with your mechanics is there something that that kind of changed for you or was it maybe just a matter of being healthy finally mm-hmm. that that long after Tommy John surgery
1: I think it was being healthy and just as I got healthier and realized that I had a new arm there was nothing else really in the back of my mind making me wonder why am I got why am I doing this why am I doing that and then all of a sudden it was just having fun and going with the flow and then After all that rehab, and I was like, all right, so all I gotta do is just throw the ball in there and see what happens. And sure enough, like getting outs early was the key there. Yeah,
0: it's a lot more fun than rehab, I'm guessing.
1: Oh, absolutely. (laughs) That was miserable 18 months.
0: Yeah, so you had Tommy John surgery um, in 2017, 2016, and you missed the entire 2017 season. I remember at one point you had kind of a setback for a couple of months.
1: Uh, The bone on the very tip of my elbow uh, had, I had like, hyperextended my elbow pitching and it had caused a stress fracture oh, and it, it was like a like you would it would be like a normal break like six weeks eight weeks kind of thing and they said just take time off and come back and as that time was that time period was coming up and I was supposed to face batters and instruct uh, it kind of ran into our our uh, Thanksgiving Christmas break so then they were like just go home relax and then come back and we'll just restart for spring
0: in some ways, maybe, was that a good thing? Because it gives the the graft in your yeah. elbow more time to get strong, which I think they're starting to yeah. realize more and more that's really important, maybe to take a little yeah. extra time.
1: I mean, that could have been it. Uh, I, absolutely. Because, I mean, I literally went home and just ate my feelings. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was not messing around that all season. I was like, this is my last time, like, being home for a while. I was like, I'm going to make the best of it. But, hey, you might be on something, or they might be on something. It, could, it very well on. could be just a little extra little downtime versus just everyday kind of just – getting the because i mean over time it's gonna stretch back out to your your old school just your normal throwing action all muscle memory and it all comes back eventually so i mean yeah maybe a little time
0: How, how long did it take you last year before you started to kind of feel normal again and not think about it
1: uh after the first month and and when i started in uh midland I was all over the place. I was throwing hard, but I was all over the place. I'd walk, walk the bases loaded and then punch out the side. And I was like, I don't know what's going on right now. And I was there for a month. And then they, I, uh, May 10th, I got caught up in AAA, had one good outing and then one really bad one. And then after that, I kind of logged it in from there. And I don't even, I mean, I had a couple bad outings throughout the year, but I think I got comfortable in my own skin enough to where it was smooth sailing from there on out
0: now do you as the course of last season's going on do you look at kind of what's going on with somebody like lou trevino and see the kind of success he's having at the big league season at big league level and say like hey that could be me if i start to do things right
1: it very well could be and uh, lou is an absolute freak of nature there's no there's no way around it him and trying they they define the law of physics like the stuff they do is ridiculous and i know i'm a generic pitcher but I, i bring I feel like I bring the team a little or the hitters a little bit of variety. Like I hide the ball well and I kinda I take advice from other people and I'm putting twisting twisting things into it that could help me help my game and it very well could have a good year, good season and could extend very, longer than that. But uh, right now I'm just in the moment and just walking the line, just staying on
0: uh, who do you turn to for advice? Are there guys in the bullpen that you particularly like to pick their brain?
1: Every single one of them. Uh, everybody's got their own little ways of just explaining it. Lou, talking to Lou is fun because Lou's going to give you – he can't give you a simple fix or something. He's got to give you a 30-minute in-depth thing. So it's it's fun to talk to Lou because he's going to give you every possible scenario that could go wrong. Uh, everybody else is awesome because, I mean, everybody's like – Rodney's got so many stories, so many things he can tell you. trying has got the, everything that – just the cheat codes for pitches, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got Liam, who's just hard-nosed all the time. Petite, who's just subtle and just loves to throw. Yeah. You got Bookter, who's just awesome. Wild card. Lefty. Yeah, yeah wild
0: card. <laughs> He's funny, right? Yeah, we, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Soria, same way.
1: Funny, yeah. Soria. Soria's uh, low-key funny. Nobody yeah. knows that. But he just he stays quiet. And then when it's time, he locks in. He goes right after it. I mean, every one of these guys, they, they bring something to the table that is unique and can help every, any one of us can turn to the next one and help, it, help them out. Just can,
0: can you remember anything particular, any of those guys has, has told you recently that, that you put into action, either maybe against a hitter or just with your own stuff?
1: Well, like we always, during BP, me, Lou, sometimes, I mean, everybody kind of in and out. We walk around a good bit. But for the most part, me and Lou kind of stand over there in the right center gap, and we just talk another day gossip was out there with us at home and he was talking about like he couldn't figure out where his load was and i was just i kind of sat there and just watched lou and lou went to work (laughs) and he was just explaining like how he thought that people can generate power and how people like different little hitches and little things and like thinking like i don't know so like i guess like a, 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 a a a a let me think let me think like some kind of point in that, it's like their key to to like what they got to get to every time. And he was like pointing out, and then Gossett did a couple things, and he's like, "Oh my gosh!" He's really? like, "You're right." And he's and all of a there, like, and, and I was just like, I just I just watched that, and it's about how long it took me to explain that yeah. <laughs> just yeah. happened. He did it with like thirty minutes, and I was like, oh, he could have just told him, yeah. <laughs> I was like, he could have just told him to stay back, but he went in there <laughs> and broke the science down on it, and I was I was loving it. I was like. He's just a good dude. It, it, it's, it's fun, That's fun to fun. be around that kind of stuff.
0: During the game, um, what do you guys tend to do in the bullpen? Is this a? I know that some every bullpen kind of yeah. tends to be different, but what do you guys like to do?
1: Uh, from, I mean, we're always watching the game. We're always we're always picking brains about like certain pitches. Say if there's like an O2 count, like what what pitch you throw here? I mean, normal bullpen talk. And then there's you got your your lax times, but everybody's still kind of locked in, and and it's just normal baseball talk. Ain't nothing really out of the ordinary.
0: Now, uh, this week in um, Houston, you came in in a kind of a key situation. You come in in the second inning, obviously, very early. Runners on base, you get out of it. Uh, wind up working three in, in a third innings. Um, how, how, what was that outing like for you? How did you kind of approach it? It, it obviously is very early. When did you start warming up? Was that, is it kind of difficult to, to get going that early?
1: Oh. You never think about coming that early because you have 110 faith in fires and any starting pitcher. And uh, it, it wasn't his day; it didn't go his way. And uh, for for me, I we knew like he he got he gave up the runs, a couple of the runs, and he started walking the base. Later. So I was like, maybe I should move around a little bit. And then I mean, like two minutes later, I got the phone call. So you don't anticipate getting ready that early, but you always have to be ready. So we were always we were ready. We were locked in. We got going and uh, going in there and. Getting three innings to help the team out was huge in, in many aspects, but for me it was a it was a victory for myself because I haven't been able to stretch my arm out as much as I would want to, and that was just showing them that I could stretch my arm out and still come back tomorrow if they if need me today. Wow, you know amazing. what
0: I mean? Well, you're very efficient. It was, yeah. I think, 41 pitches for yeah. three and a
1: third. Hey, hey. The early outs. Early just, outs. Just got to throw easy. it in the it's zone. They'll get, get themselves kick, out. You. That's all you got to <laughs> do is throw it in the
2: zone early. <laughs>
0: That's very funny. Well, whatever, whatever works. Now, you I remember you telling me recently that one of the keys for you was kind of figuring out that something funky had kind of gone on with your curveball, yes. and it was coming out a little bit more like a slider. Yeah. When, when did that happen? When did you kind of identify it?
1: Spring, when everything was terrible. <laughs> so nothing was really going right in spring for me. So then I, I learned, turned back to my curveball and went and watched the videos because I noticed it was like a more of like a slider. It was slurvy. It was coming across the zone more, than, I, than less depth than I wanted. So I went back and sang, looked at the uh, video, and I seen that it was registering as sliders. And grabbed the ball, and I looked at it, and I just felt it, and I was like, maybe I'm doing this wrong. And I talked to Dole about it, and then the, we went out there and played catch with it that, that same day. And it was like it literally bit one time, and I was like, oh, it might be back. And then I started finding it again. And my next outing, I had everything kind of like fixed itself, and I was like, oh, it's just. I was inside my own head. <laughs> One pitch ruined all the rest of them.
0: Wow, pitching is can be very strange. <laughs> like like there's it's, it's like a, a mental g- game. Yeah, you're you're fighting
1: yourself out there before before you do anything. It's more mental than physical for sure. That's
0: that's a really good point. Now, people that are listening might kind of recognize your accent a little, yeah. thinking back to Josh Reddick, who yeah. is from your hometown of South yeah. Haven. Did you know Josh growing up? Did you know his family, or did you just kind of know who he was? Uh,
1: we all, everybody knows everybody, small yeah. towns like that, so I, I knew Reddick. I know his family, and uh, they're good people, and it's just small town, like I said, everybody knows everybody. Yeah. And facing him was kind of cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. What was that like? That was a big showdown, the South Effingham, <laughs> yeah. Georgia showdown.
1: I was, hey, I was giving him fastball in. He he wants it. He, there it was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did you guys talk before or after? Uh,
1: no, I haven't. I haven't spoke to him yet, no. Oh
0: pretty funny. Uh, now, how do you see things coming from here? You, do you like this role where you kind of come in maybe with oh. uh, with runners on base and then work a couple more innings beyond I, that?
1: I love any role possible to get me in there and, and give me a chance to prove that I belong here. And it's 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 awesome feeling that Bowman, Emo, and the front staff and everybody to do with Oakland Athletics has the faith in me that I can get in those tight situations and still have a... Uh, some success to get us into that next that next inning or the next two innings, and I mean it opens up a, a, a an enjoyment in me because I take pride in just the small things, and that look, small things like that really boost your confidence even more, and that like that can lead to my three inning three inning outings like that
0: awesome well it's been a pleasure having you on ace plus jb and really fun watching you work so far this week your early strikes
1: yep early (laughs) strikes thank you
0: our thanks again to jb wendulkin for joining us we will be right back with david feldman and feldy's follies Day on A's Plus, we have the the reinstatement of Feldy's Follies, our second of the season. Is that right, Feldy, if I lost track already after just two? Is this our,
2: yes, the, this our
0: second the, one? Our the, first one was from Japan.
2: Right, so it's the first domestic.
0: First domestic Feldy's Follies. Uh, and I'm talking to you uh, as the A's have just gotten off to an 0-4 start on their first road trip of the season. So I wanted to check in and see what you make of what the A's are doing on the road versus at home. Now, of course, Japan was home games. I'm never quite sure how to throw those in. But if you throw in Japan as away from the Coliseum, the A's are 0-6 away from the Coliseum now.
2: Yeah, that's not good. Um, We knew with the A's going to Houston, uh, they were going to face a Houston team that wasn't happy uh, because they got off to a tough start on on their opening road trip and then came home for their home opener. So you knew those games were going to be tough. Um, and I thought, you know, in game one, which was a, which was a good pitch game. Frankie Montas kept the A's in it. Um, and the A's had a chance there. They couldn't come through the, the second game. They weren't going to hit it all. And that's, you know, there are some games you just have no chance. And that was one of them. And the Sunday game was a frustrating game. Um, where your your starting pitcher and Mike fires a terrible first inning and really put the A's behind the eight ball. Um, you know, after you give, you, you had a two nothing lead, he gives up five runs. He throws a ton of pitches. You know, he's not going to last long in the game anyway at this point. Um, so you know, you're going to be relying on your bullpen. Um, and the A's offense did a nice job of getting some big hits and, and getting them back in the game and giving them the lead and giving them the lead late where the TNT boys, Trevino and Trining can do their things and just happened to be one of those games where they did not come through, which is, uh, over the last two years, a, a pure rarity. I guess it's the first time they had both pitched in a game and both gave up runs since they've been teammates.
0: That's that's um, extraordinary. And you know, a lot of bad breaks in that inning too. You know, broken bat, bloop double. Uh, you know, some strike calls that were pretty wildly missed. A perfectly placed grounder by Altuve uh, that nobody can do anything with. A little tapper. Uh, it was just a. It was kind of one of the just. I I think a couple of days after that game said it just was not meant to be. I mean, it it really was not, but you know, the fact that there were definitely some frustrations over the strike zone and we're seeing this, I think uh, a few times so far in this early season uh, that it it seems like bad calls are kind of getting in, in A's domes sometimes.
2: Which is not a good thing. It's a very long season and we're just starting. And if you start feeling that umpires are against you, which I'm here to tell you, they're, they're not. Um, umpires are human and they make bad calls. Sometimes they make the correct call that you think is a wrong call. Um, but you can't let that affect how you go about your business and especially playing in Houston. Yeah, you're right about the perfectly placed balls. And the Yankees went through the same thing yesterday. They lost a game on a little ground ball that Correa hit. Uh, nobody covered first. It's just things that happen at Minute Maid Park. We've seen it, how about mm-hmm. last year, with the, the crazy play uh, behind the plate, throwing the ball away, just stuff that has never happened before. That seems to happen there. And, and on Sunday, two balls hitting the roof? Yeah. Hey, Susan, we've gone there a lot of times. I've never seen a ball hit the roof in Houston before.
0: Yeah, and uh, and the Astros kept hitting home runs that went essentially into the first row, which you know, the Coliseum <laughs> is, is easily an out. So, yeah. Yeah, it's probably not the A's best park these days, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, then they come to Baltimore and you think, well, Baltimore is a team coming off a just a dreadful season. Very, very young chance to turn it around. Estrada has been pitching very well. We know he's a fly ball pitcher. Um, and, and that showed, I think, a little bit um, yesterday. Still still gave them four, but but not really great innings. Uh, and when you look at it, ace pitchers are now. 0 three on this trip with a 10-9. The starters 0 and three with a 10-9-1 ERA. What What did you? Uh, what were your impressions of Estrada and his work against the Orioles?
2: It was It was not what they wanted. Obviously, um, he needed to get. Uh, first of all, he's going against a, a team that is not a good team. It's not a good baseball not team. It's a team, team that won a total of 47 games last That's year. Extraordinary. 47. <laughs>
0: That's a 50-win difference between the two teams last year.
2: Yeah. That's crazy. And, and, you know, they have what <laughs> – who's possibly the worst player in baseball right now in Chris Davis. They're Chris Davis with a C, uh, playing first base, who came in the game with the O for 44, uh, goes O for 5. He's now O for 49, which is a record hit list streak for a position player. And, oh, yeah, he's making $17 million this year. And he makes seventeen million dollars for each of the next three years. Yikes. What do you do with if you're the Orioles and you're trying to rebuild, you're a terrible team, you want to get your young players, you're trying to give them time. What do you do with Chris Davis?
0: Yeah. So I honestly I thought at one point he might he he might uh, end that streak last night. He actually three of his outs were pretty were hit pretty hard. But you know, that's that's baseball. That's <laughs> how you wind up 0 for 49. Some of them are gonna be hard hit outs.
2: Yeah, it's just it's amazing. but besides that, the you know, Estrada did not really give the A's a chance. He was giving up balls uh, up in the zone and he is a fly ball pitcher pitching in an East Coast Park, but he has a lot of experience there. I mean, this is somebody who pitched with Toronto for three years, so it's it's not new to him and what he was gonna have to do. Um,
1: you know, and again it's another situation where the
2: A's offense was making rumblings but could never get the big hit. And this is what I think has been the most frustrating to me in this whole thing, is the A's offense relying on the home run. Yeah. Which, which, which is fine in concert with also getting big hits, but last night the A's went 0-for-8 with runners in scoring position. Over the last three games, they're 1-for-19. All right, That's not getting it done. And if you look season-wise now, the A's have scored 55 runs. 32 of those runs have come by the way of the home run. They've hit 20 of them. All right? That's 58% of your scoring is by the home run. That's too high. It's too high of a percentage. They're not doing enough of the other things to score. You can't always rely on home runs. And you're seeing it now where Chris Davis is in one of his little bit of a funk where he's not hitting the ball out of the park. Um, so this is where the A's need to come up with hits or even better at bats. I think, you know, last night where they had a chance to to score with just putting the ball in play and Marcana strikes out, you need, you need better at bats. You need to score runs the old fashioned way by, by moving runners along, uh, in concert with the home runs. Believe me, I still want the home runs, but you want the other hits as well. Yeah.
0: It's uh you know, they they obviously have some places in the lineup where they're getting virtually no production right now, too, which which hasn't helped. Um Jerkson Profar has, you know, obviously his his struggles are, are seem like they're only deepening, uh, despite a day off in Houston. Um Nick Hundley when he's in the lineup is is giving them next to nothing. Uh and you know, everyone else seems like they, they've kind of been alternating a decent day with a with some really poor at-bats. So there's just very little consistency. Um, profar, how how are you seeing? You know, defensively, we thought that sticking him at second base and leaving him there would be a good thing. He bounced around t- You know, he led the majors in errors last year, but a lot of those errors came at, the majority of them came at shortstop. And he's not really a shortstop. That was filling in for Elvis Andrews. Uh, at second base, he's considered an adequate defender, but so far we're not necessarily seeing that, and the at-bats just look terrible. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm shocked by how bad this start is. Uh, if you go back to our, our first uh, Feldman Pollies in, in Japan, I was saying, this is the guy to watch. This guy's going to have a big year. Yeah. And so far through... His first 13 games, uh, that is not the case. He's, he's six for fifty as we talk, six for fifty yeah. um, with two walks, yeah, two walks, you know, and that was one thing that i was I was actually happy about on Monday night was he did get a walk. he had a better at bat, yep. he, he, you know using a baseball he had one terrible at bat, but yeah,
0: yes, you're right, yeah.
2: but so you want to look at the positives, right, and you want to like, okay, you got a base hit you got a walk. Um, you know the errors last night—the throw to third ends up bouncing and hitting the runner. A little bit of bad luck there. The over the shoulder one—that was a eh, I'm,
0: yeah. Yeah, those ones weren't
2: awful. Yeah, nevertheless, but what I, what he I has hands?
0: four of the team's five errors.
2: He does, and he's not—he's not helped the defense at second base. He's not robbing anybody of hits. He's no. letting balls go through him yes. that he needs to to knock down, and and that is a big issue.
0: Yeah, we haven't um, seen him make a tough play. Right. Yeah. He seems to dive at a lot of balls and nothing, <laughs> nothing happens. Um, no.
2: And he's not getting himself in front of balls. He's doing a little side saddle. Um, he's got he's to be better there. Uh, you know, offensively, what, what you hate to see now, right, is he's going to come to the plate, he's going to look up the scoreboard, and he's going to see a 120 batting average. And we've seen this with a couple of A's players in the past who've gotten off to slow starts. The rest of their season is chasing that batting average yeah um and that leads to bad at bats there's two examples i I can bring you Scott Brosius in 1997 uh, who uh had a really good 1996 season and he had over 396 gets off to a bad start in 97 and every time he comes to the ballpark he looks up the scoreboard and sees he's hitting 180 and his whole approach was to just get that average up over 200 it was it was a terrible loss season for him um and then Grieve went through a little bit of the same thing his second season too. So you don't want to see that with a profile. You need to see him take good at bats. There's so much season left, right? He's only had 50 at bats. He's going to get 500 at bats. So what he does in these next 450 at bats is going to tell the story. And you just hope that he gets back to what he was last year, where he was a very productive player.
0: Well, uh, I'm going to give you, yeah, I'm going to give you the names of some guys who came over new to the A's and also got off to terrible starts and then turned things around. Um, Mark Kotsay. Frank Thomas, Stephen Piscotty, all got off to terrible, terrible starts and and sometimes that happens when a guy comes over to a new team. Um, and certainly we when we look back at those seasons, we think like, wow, those were those were really good seasons. So um, you know, it could be done, and this is this is much earlier than you know, those guys were all struggling well into May, so he he's got plenty of time to turn it around. Uh, he just doesn't really seem to show any signs of doing so. Uh, and the other day when we were talking to him about it, he said they're pitching him up and in and he keeps swinging at it. Well, stop. <laughs> stop doing yeah.
2: that. You know what Don't you're do doing. That.
0: Stop it. He said <laughs> I need to let doctor, off. Doctor, doctor. Yes. It hurts when I do this. Yeah.
2: Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, you seems...
2: know, Frank Thomas, that's yeah. a great point to bring up because it was when he returned to Chicago, that's when he got hot. Yeah. Right? He went back to his old oh, home. so you're thinking Texas. Home. I'm thinking Texas oh, yeah. could be the place where Profar goes back. You get to go, just maybe. Well, you, heard, eyes it. Eyes
0: you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> uh, now, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about um, some of the guys who are getting off to good starts at Las Vegas, so maybe we can change the tenor of the conversation to something a, a little more positive. What uh, I have, I know that uh, that Dustin Fowler's gotten off to a nice start. Well, what are you kind of looking at when you're looking at the, the aviators roster right now?
2: Yeah, it was, you know, the aviators finally got underway last week and they played five games or four and one. And it's always fun to look at their lineup and who they're playing and, and how guys are doing. Uh, and Dustin Fowler is obviously red hot to start. He's, uh, hitting 522, 12 for 23 with four bombs and two doubles. So Dustin Fowler, you know, a really key part of the sunny gray trade. Obviously missed the entire 2017 season with with the knee injury. Um, And then comes back last year, he's healthy. But you miss a whole season, it does affect you. Um, So there's very few players who have gone a whole year without playing and come back and been top-notch right away. Um, And Fowler really did struggle with the A's at the the major league level last season. It was was a learning process for him. Obviously, you're getting thrown into the majors after missing a year. Um, it's nice to see him have some success down there, and, and that's what you want. You want to see him force his way back on the roster. Um, he was a key part of that trade, so you want him to be successful. So it's nice to see him get off to a really hot start. Uh, the other player that's been off to a great start for them is a player the A's picked up in the minor league rule five draft from the Yankees, a player by the name of Mark Payton. Mark Payton is 8 for 15 to start with four home runs and two doubles. Um and a lot of people didn't get to see Mark Payton this spring because of the, the shortened spring in the Japan trip. He only got two at bats in major league games. Um, and they hadn't even really started minor league games when the A's left. But another player that was, that was picked up for depth, off to a hard start, a hot start, maybe just somebody to keep your eye on as a possible, again, fill in as the season goes on. You know, another thing that's been amazing about this, the major league season is outside of Kendry Morales, the A's haven't made any roster moves yet. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, pretty I awesome. mean, I
0: think they were definitely considering it after Fires came out uh, early on Sunday. Um, I think that there was some talk about Tander Anderson coming for for depth, but you know, Jb Wendelkin only threw 41 pitches and going three and a third innings. And he's a guy we should probably talk about a little bit too, because A, he saved their bacon the other day. He looks just as good as he did last year. He's our intro guest here. He's your really the lead in here for you, Feldy, on this podcast today. Um, oh, right. But talk about a guy who missed a whole season. In fact, missed more like a season and a half after Tommy John surgery in 2016. Uh, and came back so strong last year. We saw it down the stretch that eight scoreless outings in September—and he looks, uh, you know, like maybe he could be almost like a Lou Trevino, a rising potential star in that bullpen.
2: Yeah, he's been a revelation. Um, and you're right; at the end of last year, he was very good, almost forced his way onto the playoff roster. Um, he was, was in the playoff
0: roster. Impressive?
2: He was. That's right. He was. He was in the bullpen for the for the wild card game, um, because. Here's the thing that's been so impressive this year. 10 and a third innings, no walks. Yep. 13 strikeouts. Yep. Um, That's what you want. You want that as your bullpen uh, reliever to not walk guys, to to not even put the ball in play, which is what he's doing. He looks nasty out there, and he looks confident.
0: To be that efficient Um, and have those kind of strikeout numbers, that's difficult.
2: That's really difficult. Totally different than when he came up originally in 2016. Uh, where he was giving up hits, he was walking guys, he was giving up homers, and he looked kind of lost on the mound. He took his pace on the mound was so bad. He took forever to throw the ball. Oh, and that's It turns out he, did, he had a he, torn ligament in his elbow. So. Yeah. And he knew, he knew well. not good things were going to happen when he did throw it. Yeah. Um, now you see the difference. Here. Feeling good, feeling strong, and he gets some wicked movement on the ball, too, that makes him really tough to hit. Wicked movement in the strike zone which you don't see very often. That's what Lou showed a lot last year, too, was the same thing where his ball was moving, but it was moving down but in the strike zone.
0: Yeah, it's that's uh, it's been fun to watch. The A's, the A's really have, that's an area of, of strength for them is young relievers. They've got more coming. They've got guys that they, they feel really good about. Uh, but, oh, man, you look at Trevino and Wendelkin, that's... That's pretty impressive, just to have those guys come up um, back-to-back years. Josh Fegley looks like he's finally figured out some things. He really worked on eliminating some movement in his swing last year. He's been working, working, working really hard, starting to see some results. Do you think now maybe he starts to get a little more playing time? We know Nick Hundley is the better catcher. Fegley looks like he might be the better offensive option. How do you uh, handicap that, given the A's current needs?
2: Yeah, I think with the way the offense is going, you need to play the hot hand at bat, which is definitely Josh Fegley. Um, right now. Whether that continues, we'll have to see. Uh, Nick Hunley, a really frustrating start, three of twenty-three. Um besides that, he's hitting the five double plays. He hits, there's two of those um in Japan, just rally killers. Um, and this is somebody I, I got to watch with the Giants for the last couple of years, who was a very good backup catcher to Buster Posey. Not only defensively, but also offensively getting timely hits. He um, was a tough out of the plate. I'd like to see more of that. We're not seeing that so far.
0: Is he maybe uh, playing too much? Cumberland. I mean, is he more like a once-a-week guy than a three- or four-times-a-week guy? Uh,
2: that's what I was thinking. That's Exactly. He was He was spotting where he's playing once or twice every five games. Um, you know, you got to worry about that with Fegley, too. If Fagley starts playing every day, what's going to happen with him? Is he going to struggle? As guys are going to look at his swing Um, right now. If I'm the A's and I need I need to score some runs, especially on the road where the starting pitching has not been like we've seen at the Coliseum. I want I want the better hitter in there at least to start these games to try and score runs, and that's playing the hot hand and playing tightly. Yeah,
0: Um, I'm I'm with you because Hundley's given him nothing. I mean, not only is he hitting 130, his on base percentage is 130. I mean. Yeah. That's that's just not acceptable, even for a number nine hitter, no. even for a good catcher. Uh, I talked to him about it yesterday. He's working on some things in the cage. You know, Darren Bush is very good at identifying, you know, some uh keys to swings and helping guys get going. Uh so he said yesterday he was really excited about what they've been doing. Uh he thinks he's been off balance, he's been starting off in a setup a little too far back and he's lunging at the ball. You got no chance as a hitter if you're doing that. Uh, so we'll see if that pays off, uh, and that would certainly be nice for the A's if he if they could get anything from him, offensively. But I think you're right. Right now they they really need to go with Josh Fegley. What do you see coming up here with a little bit? You know, the end of this 18 game stretch, 18 in a row coming up um, next week. They finally get a day off, uh, and then a, another long homestand.
2: I think it's really important for them on this on this end of this road trip here to. Beat teams they should be beating. Yes. You know, three more against Baltimore and three against Texas. Um, you need to win these games. Now, here's something else. Everyone talks about. You know, every you know game in April that counts the same as a game in September, and that's true. But a loss in April you have a lot more time to make up for than a loss in September. So even if the A's were to, to still struggle on this trip and be under 500 when they come home, it's not the end of the world. There's so much baseball to be played. But what you want to see is them start playing better and taking care of the teams they need to beat. Um, it, it helps build the kind of the chemistry of the team. It also helps build this mindset that we are better than these teams, and you don't start doubting yourself. Um, Baltimore, as we talked about, not a good team. Texas this is a team that the A's are better than, and they should beat. Um, and you've got to start winning road games. And winning on the road, which the A's did when they got really hot in the summer last year, is, is again, that chemistry builder where you think you can go anywhere and beat anywhere. So it needs to start now for them. Um, Trying to catch Houston's a really good baseball team. And to try and win the division with what the A's want to do, because you don't want to get stuck in that wild card anymore, um, you need to win every game that you're supposed to win because Houston's so tough. And then when you do get home and you have those two games against the Astros, you need to show them a little something and a little paybacks in order Again, confidence. wise and building building the season? Is it a make or break? Not at all. Not at all. Um, but it's just building blocks, and that's what you want to start doing right now.
0: Yeah, I, I think that that all seems. Uh, last year's team, they were so good at beating teams uh, that were under five hundred, at or under five hundred. That was really a strength, uh, and I think it's a must for an, any good team. Uh, it's pretty unusual to to get 90-plus wins without doing so. David Feldman, as always, an absolute pleasure, and I'm sure we will be speaking to you again very soon. All right. Thank you, David. Official scorer David Feldman will appear regularly on Ace Plus throughout the season. Our producer today was King Kaufman. Thanks so much for listening. Ace Plus is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, please subscribe, tell a friend, or give us a review. Follow me on Twitter, at Susan Slusser, or you can email me at sslusser at sfchronicle.com. Support A's Plus and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.